You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. So I know I said I wasn't going to do a podcast today. Um, to be honest, I was just laying in bed after my 3 o'clock alarm clock went off for the last 50 minutes. Couldn't go back to sleep, and I finally came to the determination, just go do it. Firstly, because it's Friday, and I don't do podcasts on Saturday and Sunday, meaning I would leave everybody hanging until Monday, and I found out very quickly that Based on the phrasing of what I said in my tweet and on Facebook, it made everybody think that something happened to the baby. That's not the case. And I'm sorry I I led everybody to believe that. I found that out very quickly because I got a phone call from my grandma basically telling everyone or telling me that I sent everyone in my family in a panic, um, assuming that was the case. And that is certainly not the case. I'm not going to elaborate on the situation, but I do appreciate everybody reaching out. And, um,. I don't know, I, I, I guess I just, a lot of people reached out and I started to feel bad. Like, I, I'm not trying to reach out for sympathy, you know? I appreciate it, but that was not my intention. I really just wanted to let everybody know that I wasn't going to be doing a podcast. I generally don't like the whole, I mean, people got to deal with, you know, grief or whatever their own way, but I generally want to stay off uh, social media and whatnot with that, because it's, it's private, you know? And I don't like trying to get likes and comments and sympathy and whatnot. And since I'm getting it, now I'm feeling guilty, so we're going we're gonna to forge ahead. But again, thank you all. And if you're not following on social media and you don't know what I'm talking about, completely ignore everything I just said. Because we're here and we're doing a podcast. Plus, I mean, this is, uh, this is where I belong, man. This is, this is I mean, it's, it's dumb to say, and allow me to be cheesy for a half a second. I just looked. And although the, the numbers aren't officially official, because it got a little dicey early on with tracking and whatnot, but this is episode 830. This is year four of the podcast, going into season four. I've covered three seasons of this. So as cheesy as it sounds to say things like Packernet Family, I mean, it's kind of getting to that point, you know? Some of the OGs been friends for a while, man. I've been friends with some of the people that are podcast listeners about as long as I've known my daughter. <laughs> it's It's been a while. So, the Packernet Podcast is my therapy, so this is where I go. And look, I'm feeling better. Got my coffee, I'm really tired, so, you know, don't need me sleeping in or anything. That would just be, that would be terrible. So, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what, the, you know, when something happens, it just feels like everything you do is the wrong thing to do. So just, you know what, just just do stuff and get over it, I guess. Anyways, since I'm also in that weird little guilt thing where everything feels wrong, I'm not going to do any self-promotion. 
Because, you know, then it's like, oh, he's trying to get uh, from the... Okay, whatever. I know it's just me thinking that, but I'm still thinking it, so we're not doing it. So what are we doing? I don't know if... I, I, don't, I don't have an intro. I don't have any content, because I wasn't planning on doing anything today. Not even promoting myself. You know what? I am going to promote the YouTube. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. There you go. Feel bad for me? Good. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. See, I'm just going the other direction. I'm having a... <laughs> I need to move on. This is the weirdest. Forget it. Never mind. I'm here for my own amusement, not your amusement. You don't even need to be here for this. This is fine. <laughs> Why do you listen to my podcast? I, I'll never know. I did break my streak on YouTube yesterday. That's upsetting. All I, literally, all I had to do was come downstairs and upload a video. Whatever. It's fine. It's fine. I'll do two next week. It's no big deal. I don't care. I don't care. Also, um, again, I know most of you aren't interested, but as far as YouTube goes, there is a cool thing that I found or thing that I can be a part of when I get to 2,500 subscribers. So that is now the new goal. Not that 2,000 isn't still a cool thing, but I don't care about 2,000 anymore. 2,500, that's the thing. So again, if you're not doing anything, maybe while you're listening, you know, just pull out your phone, go to YouTube, type in Pack Daddy NFL, click subscribe. It's a little red thing. It says subscribe, starts with an S. Then it'll give you an option for a little bell. Click the bell, then click all, and you're done. Simple. And I will uh, Venmo you $10 billion. I'm not lying. That's the truth. Everyone that subscribes today gets a million dollars. Go subscribe. But you have to not unsubscribe for the next 40 years, and I'll be checking. All right. Why don't we start with this? The Green Bay Packers have announced that Lambeau Field will not host fans at the first two home games this season. The Packers will reevaluate after the first two games to determine whether fans can attend later games. So this probably isn't a massive surprise. Um, The country is starting to more and more um, contract because the virus is spreading. Um, The good news is it seems to be leveling off. A lot of the hot spots like Texas, Arizona, uh, Florida... California even, they're starting to uh, taper. So even as some states are still climbing a little bit, the massive, you know, big spiky ones are coming down and that's going to cause everything, the, you know, the overall average obviously to come down. That doesn't mean there aren't going to be spikes ev- uh, elsewhere. And um, in Wisconsin also, it seems to have uh, leveled off a bit. Never really had a massive spike here. Hopefully we don't get one. It seems somewhat relatively obvious to me that population density, I mean, population size would mean how big of a, a, a spike in terms of numbers, but population density also has to do with, you know, how, you know, the, the, the slope, if you will, of the spike. And so some places, for example, California and Canada, almost the exact same population. Canada is the size of California, but take California and spread it out over a massive landmass. So they're not going to have as spiky. That doesn't mean they're going to have less infections, but it just it doesn't spread as easily when you're spread out more, right? That's the whole point of social distancing. You're spread out. And um, Wisconsin is relatively spread out. There's Milwaukee, there's Madison, but it's it's a pretty relatively spread out state, right? It's not North Dakota, but um, if I'm gauging it right, that seems to be kind of the, the thing. You know, it's a, it's a 5 million person state not like florida's like 22 million or whatever so i'm, I'm hoping anyways that that it's not just our turn one of these days to start spiking like crazy and that this time when it starts to turn down which it seems like it is as, as i said it was going up and it flattened off it's been flat for 
quite a while. Hopefully it starts to taper down because that's that's ultimately what it's going to be, right? When they say we're going to reevaluate after the first two games, which, by the way, that would be, uh, let's see, week one is at Minnesota, so week two against Detroit, and then week four against Atlanta, and then we have a bye. So basically they're shutting it down until after the bye week, and then the first two games after that are away and away. So it's week eight. November 1st is the first game we could come back. So they make it sound like it's just two weeks. No, it's uh, seven weeks that they basically shut it down for. Which is actually, I mean, it's kind of to their benefit. There's only two home games until literally week eight. That's pretty wild. Somewhat beneficial, though, if you think about it, considering the the bye week is so early, which is really not in their favor, to kind of have a lot of home games down the stretch. You look at, for example, let's say week 12. It's at home, at home, away at Detroit, home, home, away at Chicago. And even, you know, Detroit and Chicago aren't quite that far away. So it's not like they're, they're not traveling Really, and then even before that is Indy at home. So they got San Francisco week nine, which I just, I hate that that's just a thing now. Why don't they ever come here? Why are we there all the time? We went to San Fran last year. Then we went there again for the playoffs. Now we're going there. Why don't they come here? Dumb. But, you know, it also works out to the Packers' benefit. Again, depending on what happens. I don't know what's going to happen with the virus. But it seems relatively encouraging. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the total number of people that have been infected are really, really small compared to the population. But there's always, you know, what percentage of the population has got it and never got tested, right? I, I, I don't know the exact math on how it works in terms of... Plus, it, it also has to do with how far you're spread out. So how many people have got... Because it's just a matter of how easily can it spread. So the two variables are people that have not had it yet, right? People that are susceptible. And then how spread out people are. That's really the, the variables, then there's the artificial variable of things like wearing masks and whatnot, which I guess if we all just shut everything down, but that's not going to help us go to games, right? That's that's the problem I have with all that. It will help bring the numbers down, but it's fake. It's artificial. And as, as soon as you open the doors, i.e., you know, let people go to football games, the numbers spike. That's why I don't like playing those games. I want to see real flattening and real declines, not fake declines, because then you get hope and you open things up and it spikes like crazy. So I'm hoping this is real and not an artificial one that's going to spike back up once we start loosening the restrictions again, because all it's doing is elongating the problem. In other words, instead of actually letting this thing spread and then the numbers go down, we're not letting it spread, and then every time we try to open back up, it spikes and then we got to shut back down, and rather than this thing being done in a couple months, we got to spread it out for like a year, and then we never get to go to football games. I know that's the opposite of what people are saying. If you just wear a mask, we could be going to football games. No, it's the opposite of that. We're not letting this thing burn out. And so nobody's gotten the virus. I mean, a very small percentage of people. So now when we take our masks off and go around and do things, the virus spreads, and it's like, oh, why is it spreading? Oh, because we're not letting it die. I don't know. That's, it's, it's painfully obvious. And I know that people get mad when you say that, but come on. How is that not obvious to everybody? It's fake. We're, we're, it's, it's artificial. You want to go to a football game again? We, there, it has to actually burn out and die. It has to act. We have to actually go through that process. That's the only way. That's it. We can't hide in a bunker. And then when the numbers are down to like one infection a day, it's like, yay! Now we can go to football games. No, we can't because we can't come out of our bunkers. Because then the numbers shoot up. So again, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. And I I know in places like New York, when the numbers are down, it's that's New York is done. Right, it, it ravaged New York, and now it's done. New Jersey's done, and I believe that Florida, Texas, Arizona—they went through it the the hard way, the painful way. Right, it's not good. It's terrible. 
because the virus is terrible. This is a terrible reality, but it is a reality. And, and you know, faking good things doesn't make it a good thing. Does that make sense? There, there is a painful reality that, that does exist. And we all hate it, and it sucks, and, you know... But I, I, I believe that largely what we're seeing are real, real taperings, real flattenings. You know, I know states are starting to contract, they're starting to, you know, shut things down, but it seemed like things were starting to get better before everything happened. Like, Wisconsin just did a um, statewide mask mandate, but... Things started tapering in Wisconsin before that. So, I'm, I don't know. I hope it's real. Who knows? I, I don't know. Who knows what's going on with this thing? Again, we don't really have the real number, and it really comes down to how many people have actually gotten this thing. Because on a percentage of who's gotten it compared to total population, it's like, it's such a f- small, small, small fraction. So, I'm just, I'm hoping a lot more people got it than we think. Which, again, I know is counterintuitive to what people are telling you you're supposed to think. You want nobody to get it, but that's not how this works. I'm sorry. And, again, if I'm missing something, tell me. But I've never had anyone reach out and tell me why I'm wrong. I've had people tell me they're offended by what I'm saying, but they've never told me I'm wrong. And if you know me, offense means nothing to me. I couldn't care any less about your feelings. I care about what's real. So you can go around and rip your hair out and trash things and kick over tables all you want, because I destroyed Fantasyland for you, but it is what it is. Go cry to somebody else. I don't care. Maybe I should have taken the day off today. <laughs> I probably should have. Anyways, I can't talk about this virus and not go off on a tangent. But I, I just I hear so much stupidity on a daily basis. When I get an opportunity to talk about it, I just can't help but vent. Because everybody's just stupid. And I'm sorry if I'm talking about you, but come on, man. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong, and you know I'm not wrong. But... Again, hopefully by week 11-ish or so, this thing really actually starts to burn out like it did last time. Or like it seemed like it was when, you know, big states like New York started to taper off. Um, As I said, there are some states that are spiking, but it looks like it's states like Hawaii and Alaska. Not that it doesn't matter, you know, not that that's not important, but these are smaller states. So it's, on a national scale, it's not really going to move the needle as much as Texas and Florida and California. Those are, I mean, we're talking about literally the biggest states in the country. So, fingers crossed, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, align your chakras, jiggle your chi, whatever you got to do that um, hopefully we'll be able to have fans in the stands. Not that that's all that important, other than it's a good sign that things are getting better, right? That's that's really, at this point, that's the milestone. For me, anyways. I mean, it, obviously it's better to have some fans in the stands just for aesthetic reasons. It's more fun to watch, although it's still going to look really empty. But the the biggest thing is... If we have fans in the stands by November, that's a great sign that things are are starting to get better in the country. And that's obviously something we should all be rooting for. I was hoping there'd be a uh, a Twitter update for you. I would I I think I need to start making that a feature of the show. Unfortunately, it's mostly just political stuff and something about Cardi B, but there is the the craziest stuff on the the Twitter whatever these are called trends at, you know, 3 4 o'clock in the morning. It's such, it's it's like Florida, man. It's crazy. But nothing super crazy today, at least nothing uh, nothing new. We mentioned Jake Paul, whatever. Um, the other piece of news, the good news, is that the, the opt-out deadline did expire. There was all kinds of talks about um, lots of high-level players that are uh, potentially going to be opting out, that are contemplating opting out. Uh, I think it was like pro football talk or whatever, pushing a lot of that type stuff. And obviously that's scary because when you look at the financials, there are several people on the Packers team in which it would make a lot of sense 
for them to opt out for you know the sake of protecting their financials but um the deadline has passed and there is still an exemption up until um week one of the nfl season but that's only if there is somebody living in your home your immediate residence that is high risk and to my knowledge um i'm not sure if mason crosby currently applies I would assume he could get an exemption if he wanted to because his wife has had um, battles with cancer. I, I believe she's okay now, but obviously cancer is one of those um, constant fears and concerns. But outside of that, I'm not aware of, of anything. But there's there's always a chance that something does pop up. But that, that Thursday deadline was scary because it, it's, you don't really need all too many reasons, it sounds like. So we've crossed that threshold, and it sounds like everybody that's on the Packers roster is on the Packers roster, so that's fantastic. And and again, depending on the processes with the NFL and with COVID and and trying to keep everybody safe, if this thing doesn't spread like wildfire, and I know I I said that it sounds like it will, and I don't know how to keep it out, and you know, the the panic and the fear and trepidation and whatnot, but I mean, if it, it legitimately, if it doesn't happen, it's a fairly relatively normal NFL season. Obviously the Patriots have been decimated or whatever, but there are always teams that are decimated with injuries anyways, and let's be honest, the Patriots were not going to be good either way. Other than that, it's it's one or two players here or there, and again when you factor in teams getting injured, you know, players getting injured all the time anyway, especially in training camp, which basically isn't happening. You hear about guys tearing their ACL in the first week of, of training camp, which should have started by now. You know, it it doesn't have to be all that different. So I, I don't know. Fingers crossed again that it, it may end up being a somewhat relatively normal NFL season. And speaking of practice, um, Matt LaFleur has said that the Green Bay Packers' first practice is going to be next Saturday, meaning one week from tomorrow, which is it's just, I can't tell you how incredibly exciting that is. And I, I'm, I'm really, really, really hoping, because I am so, as you are, starved for football content, that some members of their media are allowed somewhere. Because getting the updates on practices and, and training and all that stuff, is what, it's, it's, it's a key component of the season, especially for me. I mean, for all diehard fans that just want the updates, but for people like me, for writers and podcasters and, and whatever for the Packers, that's, that's my content, man. That's, I mean, I, I'll take an entire day, and I will look at an entire stream, multiple streams of people posting things, and I have a whole thing sp- spread out. I have the entire roster in a notebook and you know on, on on the computer on like a word document or whatever and every note that comes across gets pasted under that player and that next day that's what we talk about all day here's the updates of every single thing that happened in training camp from everybody that was there it's a it's a it's as far as work goes this period of the off season is one of the hardest periods of work that i have to put in and in terms of like having to be on the ball, paying attention, the amount of work that I put in, you know, again, following every single tweet about what happened and making that content to be able to track that. That's a lot of work. Then there's the 53 cutdowns. I've done uh, live updates on guys that get cut. That is, that's a grind. You know, several years, you know, when I was back writing or whatever, it was doing an updated blog. Every time something comes across, you write out a thing about it. And it's, it's a, it's an intense period of time, but it's a good like intro into the season. Like it's, it's that initial blast of like grind time. It's work time. It's season. You know, the season's back. Time to get to work. But I enjoy. I love it. I love doing it. And it's 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 funny because it's some of the most useless information, right? 
I mean, we heard about, you know, to give you an an idea of useless and not useless, two people that were absolutely tearing up training camp were Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary. So it was a peek into what's really going on, right? Zadarius was beating everybody. But it's also training camps. You're like, yeah, but I don't know if it's real. And obviously, you know, what is it? And you're right to do that when you consider Rashawn. Not that he's bad, but it certainly didn't pan out. Not year one, anyways. And Rashawn, if you're listening, unblock me on Twitter. I never said anything. Actually, I went back and looked at my tweets, and I think I found the tweet that maybe set off supposedly his mom, who's managing this. Tell your mom, I'm sorry. I've been, ask anybody, a massive proponent of your son. I will continue to be a massive proponent of your son. However, after this year, I can go one of two directions if things don't work out super great. I can continue to be optimistic, or you can keep me blocked, and I'll start trashing the guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's on you, madam. You know, because I, you know, I'm a pretty important person over here. Packernet Army, man. I'm like an influencer. But instead of, like, millions of followers, I've got, like, a thousand <laughs> mess with my Twitter. I'll send all of Twitter after you. All of Packers Twitter, that is. All of 1,000, 2,000 of Packers Twitter. So, choose wisely. Don't mess with me. I got some pull around these parts, man. Anyways, why don't we take a break? I have no idea what's on the other side of the break, but we'll figure something out. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, at this point, if I talk about anything, it's not that short of an episode. But we're almost done. We'll, we'll, we're almost there. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I've been asking quite a bit for uh, people to reach out via the Google Voice phone number. I've had a few people, mostly text messages, which is fine, but I'm primarily looking for people to call in. Um, I do have quite a few of those as well. I'm just hanging on to them. I haven't forgot. I'm trying to do some video content 
but I got to kind of build this up a little bit. So if we can get a couple more people, the phone number, by the way, is 608-501-0718. Again, whatever you want to do. It's not a guarantee it's going to get used, but depending on what kind of call-ins I get, kind of dictate, and, that, and that's part of the problem, right? Some people call in with funny stuff, that's a separate video. Some people call in with serious questions, that's a separate video. I don't want to lump them all into one video because that's the most ridiculous random video in the world. Also, I had a thought. I don't know if you can send video via Google Voice, right? Because you can text a video to people. But if you can, try it. Anybody, if, if, if there's a brave soul out there, I want you to try something because I had a thought for a really cool video. Take a video of yourself telling me your favorite Green Bay Packers moment. It could be from the 2019 season. It could be from whenever. Something to keep in mind, Game Pass only goes back to 2009. So unless I can find it on YouTube... I have to be able to find it. But the video would be, which I think would be a cool video, fans saying my favorite Green Bay Packers moment of all time was, then you tell me, and then we show a clip of it. I think that'd be an awesome video. So if somebody could try that for me, even if if, if you don't want to participate, at least try to send me some kind of a video just to verify that it works. But I think that would be awesome. And if you can't do it there, try to find some other way. Um, thepackdaddy86 at gmail is my email. If that works, try to email it to me. Um, I mean, if, if you don't like being on camera, have your kid do it. I don't care. Have your wife do it. Have your dog do it. I, whatever you want to do, just send me some kind of a video with your favorite moments. Again, I, I think that would be a really, really awesome video. So the phone number, again, 608-501-0718. Call in if you got something you want to call about. Try to send me a video. Otherwise, the thepackdaddy86 at gmail. Um, and if none of that works, I guess you can throw it up in the Facebook group if you feel like doing that for everybody, and I'll just rip it off there. Whatever, however, whenever, wherever. Just let's give it a shot. If I can get, let's say, five of them. And I'd, lo I'd love to do multiple videos of that. That would be a great series. I can't monetize those videos because I'm using football footage, but it still would be an awesome video to do, and I'd be happy to do it. So please try that out. Send me a video. All right. Um, speaking of people calling in, let's let's go to Andy from Kansas. Um, he called in with a, a question, and it's it's very nuanced. But it's it's kind of worth exploring. The the fact that we are not going to get to see Jordan Love in any preseason action, he raised the question, is it possible that maybe they put him in during the season if the Packers are up in the fourth quarter? And, and again, this, again, this is nuanced because they do that anyways. But is it possible maybe they put him in sooner than they would otherwise? In other words, the game is basically wrapped up but maybe not 100% wrapped up. So let me elaborate a little bit. Last season, Aaron Rodgers was pulled in that Oakland Raiders game. In the fourth quarter with uh, 6.28 left, Mason Crosby kicked an extra point after a 74-yard MVS touchdown. See, this is why I can do a billion different videos on, you know, my favorite play from 2019 was. There's, there's random plays that I don't even remember. A 74-yard touchdown from Aaron Rodgers to MVS that put us up 41-17. to <sighs> But either way, the, the Raiders uh, went out and did score a touchdown. And with only a, a minute and 29 left, we put Tim Boyle out to go kneel, um, being up, what is it, 18 points? So we were up by 18, there's a minute 29 left, and Tim Boyle went out to kneel. Let's say, and again, this is nuanced because there's there's obviously certain situations where you're not going to put Jordan Love out, and there's situations where he would have come out anyways. 
is there sort of that that gray area where we would put him out? Let me let me come up with a standard for you. Let's just say, and it comes with risk, but that's kind of the point. Let's say the Packers are up by two scores under two minutes. Is it possible we come up with a general rule out of the gate so that everybody's clear? Aaron Rodgers understands. Jordan Love understands. So there's not this big controversy. We're pulling Rodgers or whatever. There is a standard from day one. Because we don't get to see Jordan Love, and only because we don't get to see him, and he needs the work, he needs the practice, he needs the, 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 the game day lights and everything else, we're going to institute a rule that under two minutes, up two scores, Jordan Love goes out. And we're mostly just going to be running the ball. But, you know, we're going to give him some opportunities out there. Now, again, it, it does come with a bit of risk, but that's the point. Is that even possible? I, I, I'll say this. I, I doubt that they'll do it. Because at the end of the day, um, for, for let, go to the worst case, worst case scenario and imagine what that's like and work from there. What I mean is, let's say you lose because Jordan Love goes out, throws a pick six, now you're only up by, let's say, three. And so then we put back Aaron Rodgers, which already now it's like you're a moron. Because if you put out Jordan Love and now you're only up three and you put Aaron Rodgers back in, it's basically admitting, well, that was a bad decision. And then if they go three and out and you lose the game, it's 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 disaster time, right? And then you could say, well, maybe not two scores, maybe three scores. Well, okay, but that's that's we would do that anyways. So that really is the question. Is there any pain point, is there any point at which this is generally not accepted as the right thing to do, but I feel comfortable enough that if we're playing conservative enough, we can put him out there, get him some game time action, get a chance to evaluate him and work with him, and, and, and you know we kind of get to see him this season, which I feel like is the crux of his question anyways. Is there a, a higher likelihood that we see him because they're trying to push him out in situations where you generally wouldn't see him? My answer more or less is no, but I don't think it's a terrible idea. Um, I think the the biggest issue is a higher likelihood of losing games that you would have otherwise won, which is obviously a disaster, but also upsetting Aaron Rodgers. I mean, even if you win all those games, you're going to upset Aaron Rodgers and the fan base, and you're going to cause controversy in the national media who's just going to feast on that. Look at that. They're pushing him out. See, they're pushing him out. But if you lose a game because of Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers is going to be livid. He's not going to go to the podium and say, oh, I understand. He's going to say, no, that was stupid. The, the game's still on the line. I, you know, we, we, we can't be doing this kind of stuff. And I think it's for that reason. It's, you know, there's the positives and then there's the negatives. And I think the, the potential negatives massively outweigh the positives in that situation. I'm not saying I wouldn't like it or possibly sign off on it, but I'm saying the, the, the Green Bay Packers are very unlikely to sign off on a plan like that is, is my assumption. And again, you, you can say, well, only when it's guaranteed. Okay, well, we would do that anyways, right? If, if the game is 100% locked up, we can't lose. Jordan Love is going to come out. There's no question about it. And I hopefully that happens. Hopefully we run up the score three, four times this season, like happened back in the day. You know, there was several games where, um, you know, we saw Matt Flynn all the time because he'd come in and just finish off games because Aaron Rodgers just run up the score. There were times, man... I wish I could remember. I, I swear there were times Aaron Rodgers got pulled for an entire fourth quarter. Maybe I'm exaggerating and that's not true, but I could swear that almost happened, where he basically got pulled for the fourth quarter. And again, I, I would like it because I just want to see Jordan Love. I'm a big fan. If you haven't seen the video I made, um, which again, it was up uh, in the Facebook group 
months ago, and then I re-uploaded it on YouTube yesterday, and actually today I'm planning on, I should probably do that now actually, just for the fun of it. I'm uploading a another video I did, which isn't directly comparing Rodgers and Jordan Love, it's just a breakdown of Jordan Love from, from you know, the perspective of watching it, and I think I'm going to do that next, um, today. But when, when you watch those videos, when you look at what I did, or just do it yourself, it doesn't matter either way, it's easy to get excited, right? I'm, I'm, I'm really, really excited about A.J. Dillon. And I know most people are thinking it's, you know, he may not even see much time, and Aaron Jones is obviously the guy, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, man. I'm excited about it. I, 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 and I, I don't usually do this. I'm not usually the guy that gets super excited. I wasn't excited about Elton Jenkins. I mean, I knew it was possible he was going to be good, but it's like, you know, what, 30% chance he ends up being a stud? Maybe, hopefully, I don't know. But I'm not expecting it. I mean, just look look at the probability Rashawn isn't very good. I mean, it's, it's high. It's it's at least 50% that the guy's not going to be very good, and, and he's a 12th overall pick. But there's just something about it. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. He's a perfect fit for Matt LaFleur. I don't know how we got on, on A.J. Dillon, but we're here now. He's a perfect fit for Matt LaFleur. The offensive line, although it's not primarily a run-blocking offensive line, they do do a good job, especially compared to what he dealt with over at Boston College. Terrible offensive line. Stacked the box against him more than anybody in all of college football. So he very rarely found any holes to run through. But when he did, he hit it, and he hit it hard. He's an athletic freak. He's faster than Aaron Jones, which isn't exactly blazing fast, but he's got tons of speed, which people don't give him credit for. For his size, it's ridiculous. I'm just I'm just extremely excited. I was talking to executive producer uh, J.J. Leahy, and we were kind of going through the 2019 draft class and just kind of talking about how... Uh, how optimistic we are and how excited we are about that class in general. I mean, kind of top to bottom. I mean, there's a, a couple of guys toward the end, obviously, the, the later round picks in 2020, not nearly as excited. But man, those those first couple guys, Jordan Love, I really am excited to see what he can do. A.J. Dillon, I'm really excited about him. And I, I'm telling you, I really genuinely believe DeGuara is going to have a major focal point of this offense. My prediction was that he would have a better season PFF grade-wise, not necessarily stats-wise, than Jace Sternberg. And it has nothing to do with not liking Jace. Jace was my favorite, I think, actually second favorite tight end in the entire class of that year. Really, like I liked him more than Noah Fant. I think TJ Hawkinson is the only tight end I would have taken over Jace Sternberg, or we got him in the third round. I'm beyond excited, but 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 DeGuara makes so much sense for this offense. And that was the thing I meant. I didn't I didn't grade DeGuara out very highly when I watched him just by himself. He was nothing special. But when you look at him in this in the context of this offense, again, five years he spent with Cincinnati, running almost an identical scheme as an H-back, tight end kind of guy where, you know, there's a lot of motion and it's a lot of everything looks like a run and sometimes I'll block you and sometimes I'm going to fake block you and chip you and kind of run out. It's It's identical to what the Packers do, and he's done it for five years. So there's no... There's no gap in the learning. There's the terminology and things, but in terms of what he's being asked to do, he knows it inside and out. So he comes into the Green Bay Packers technically with more experience in the system than Jace going into year two with Matt Lafleur. So I'm, 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 I, I, you know, he's not going to be a big play guy like Jace has the potential to be playing in the slot, kind of the more downfield, stretch the seam kind of tight end. 
but I, I just I really believe he's going to be able to do some special stuff. And I, you know, maybe he's going to struggle with blocking and all that. But as a receiver, just picking up those quick yards. If we can get Aaron Jones or <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is the name of our quarterback to kind of look that direction. I, I just I I think a lot of Matt Lafleur. Let me put it this way. This is probably the best way I can put it, and I haven't said it this way yet, so I'm I'm proud of myself. I think a lot of Matt Lafleur's scheme is going to revolve around scheming Josiah Deguara open. I think Josiah Deguara is going to be sort of a focal point insofar as when you look at all the moving pieces, a lot of guys are going to be accounted for, and and Josiah is going to be that guy that's going to be the X factor, right? Because you're not going to want to man up Josiah because he's not he's not an elite athlete, but he's good enough that you have to account for him. So he's the wild card. If you account for him, you're kind of wasting a guy because he's going to stay in and block and do all that kind of stuff a lot of times. If you don't account for him, you're in a lot of trouble. And so he's going to be the real sneaky, slippery kind of X factor that you're not thinking about, you're not paying attention to, that's really going to be... And again, I genuinely believe he's going to be a focal point. I think as much as we don't think that this draft matters, the first three picks of this draft, I think, are focal point pieces. Jordan Love is exactly the kind of quarterback Matt LaFleur wants. A.J. Dillon is exactly the kind of running back that Matt LaFleur wants. Josiah DeGuara is exactly the kind of tight end that he needs to run his scheme. He needs Jace and DeGuara, both of them. Now, you know, what, what their talent level is when they get to their full max capacity, when they get to their, their what is their best version of themselves in the NFL, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're going to be terrible football players. But again, th- this is what he needs to work his system. And it, it's also why we need to stop talking about wide receiver two. We're so obsessed with it. And it makes sense because the Packers for years have been focused on the wide receivers. All the way back into Brett Favre. When you look at great Packers offenses, it's Brett Favre and Sterling Sharp. It's Brett Favre and Robert Brooks. It's it's Brett Favre and Don Beebe, right? Don Beebe was like the number three that was still an awesome football player. It's Aaron Rodgers and, and Donald Driver and Brett Favre and Donald Driver and Aaron Rodgers and Jordy and, and Cobb and just down the line. And as much as we like tight ends like Bubba Franks, it's like, you know, he's he's a he's a guy that you like. Bubba Franks was great in the red zone, but, you know, he's not an elite tight end. Nobody's putting him up there with Rob Gronkowski or, or uh, you know, Gonzalez or anything like that. So we, we've never really had great tight ends, including Finley. Finley, every year the thing with Finley was like, well, maybe this year will be his breakout year, and that never really came. Same with running back. Up until... These last sort of several years, Eddie Lacy kind of kind of touched on it, right? He he was always kind of slow moving in the beginning of the year, and then he kind of picked up steam, and then he kind of had some issues that he was working through. So again, it's one of those things where we loved Eddie. I mean, I, I've I don't know that I will ever appreciate a running back more than Eddie Lacy, and that includes Aaron Jones as much as I love Aaron Jones, right? Eddie Lacy was incredible to watch. I love Eddie Lacy. But it just it just didn't kind of pan out, right? It never really got to that level where Eddie Lacy's on the on the front page of, of you know some magazine that doesn't exist. I don't know. Nobody sees him as like the number one back or anything like that. And even though now we have already a, a top five, top three wide receiver, a top five running back, we still are griping and complaining. We've got a, a top five quarterback, a top five wide receiver, a top five running back. A top five offensive line in the NFL, maybe-ish, probably. We got maybe the best offensive tackle in football in David Bakhtiari. And we're still crying about wide receiver, too. 
in a in a scheme that is res, less reliant on it. If Matt Lafleur's scheme works, we've got Devonte, we've got Aaron Jones, we've got Deguara and Jace, and we've also got Alan Lazard, who is who is. It's not just wide receiver two; he's further down the pecking order. If you look at Matt Lafleur and his scheme, and I'm kind of just making this up, but if you want to talk about most important pieces. You've got maybe wide receiver one, you've got tight end one, you've got RB one, then you've got like, I don't know, tight end two, and then wide receiver two. I mean, it's just, you want to you wanna know why our, our GM constantly looks at it and says, eh, I think we're good enough. It's not because he thinks our wide receiver two is, is Calvin Johnson, it's because it's so far down on the priority list. I mean, could you imagine us griping about running back two? Like, come on, man, why aren't we upgrading Jamal? Why aren't we doing better with Jamal? Why don't we have like an elite running back as our number two? And that that's kind of where we're at with this. That's kind of the scenario. Like you know, there's nothing wrong with having it. We've got two now, and it's exciting. And also, Jamal is not that bad. Kind of like Lazard is not that bad. He's not great, but for a number two, I'll take it. I'm just I'm just ranting and raving. I don't know. I'm just excited, man. I'm excited for football. I'm excited about about the 2019 draft. I'm excited to watch Darnell Savage. I'm excited to watch Rashawn Gary. I'm, I'm excited to see Elton take a step. I'm excited to see Jay step into that role full-time because, as I've said several times, there were times when he was open and, and Rodgers just wasn't looking. He got very... He's, Jace and Rashawn are very similar to me. In the few opportunities they had, I thought they did really well. And it was one of those things where it was like, man, if you give him one more shot, I feel like this could be a big deal. I'm excited to see Jace in that full-time role, and I know there's going to be some growing pains, but I think he's going to have some big plays. I'm excited to watch Kingsley, man. Kingsley actually graded out really well as a run defender. I think he, we drafted him because he's more athletic and his ability against the the you know as a, as a pass rusher. I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm excited about Dexter, man. I love Dexter. I don't you know he's he's got a a, a tough battle ahead of him, but with uh, you know Aaron Jones and Jamal coming up for contracts, he's got a real opportunity if he can step up. If he can be the guy, he's got a very good opportunity, and I like Dexter. Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara. You know, we'll see if Kadar can do something. Again, it's kind of similar situation with the cornerbacks, right? we got a lot of people looking for a lot of money. We don't have a lot of depth. Kadar's got a great opportunity to step up. Ty Summers even. I, You know, I spent the entire year last year being like, come on, calm down with the Ty Summers stuff. That was another one where everybody lost their mind. He's so good. Dude, he's a seventh-round pick. And I, I'll be, I went back and looked at his, his tape. Uh, when I was evaluating this year's draft class to kind of rank where would Ty Summers rank with this year's. I mean, it wasn't good. I had him very low. But considering the quality of the talent we have, Ty Summers has an opportunity to be an actual starter. Maybe not number one. I, I think Kirksey's going to be that guy. But why Why can't Ty Summers in his second year prove that, you know what, I'm good enough to at least make the team and be the number three and get some opportunities? You got John Runyon, Jake Hansen, Simon St- Stepniak. Opportunities. Earn that spot, man. Vernon Scott at safety. Why not? We do three safeties all the time. We know who number one and number two are. Who's number three? Well, I guess it's Raven Green. Whatever. <laughs> Earn the fourth spot then. I don't know. I just need football. I'm excited. But I'm, I'm just, I'm going to leave it at that. I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. But I'm going to leave it. I, I just, I'm jacked up, man. I think the Packers are going to be a real a real force. It is a great team. Just, just on a talent level. And I do think that the coaches we have and, th- and things are, are actually very competent. So it's not necessarily a situation where you look at the Lions and say that's a good roster, but I don't trust it, or the Browns where you say it's a great roster, but I don't know if I trust it. 
it's the Green Bay Packers, man, and, and Matt LaFleur is extremely established. I know he's young, but he's he's been in some of the best offenses. He's been a part of making some of the best offenses in football, and in his first year, he got us to 13 wins. We've got probably the best edge-rushing coach in all of football. We've got one of the most brilliant defensive minds in football. I would I would venture to say when you look at what our our brand new DB coach has done with the Vikings safeties, he's one of the premier DB coaches in football. When you take that much talent and you get this much experience and this much talent in the coaching staff, it's a great formula. It really is, and I'm super excited. And I'm very glad that we're forging ahead with a football season. And if we don't have fans, we don't have fans. Let's just let's get some football going. And let's get excited about watching a very, very good Green Bay Packers team, something that we have become accustomed to for the last 30 years. Be very grateful for uh, for what we've had because it's been something special. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you on Monday unless you go over to YouTube. Then you get to see my beautiful smile and face. Also, it's become a tradition over there to wear a ridiculous shirt and hat. I never wear hats. Um, but that's become a tradition. I'm actually to the point where I need to go to Goodwill pretty soon and start buying some, I'm, I'm not kidding, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to Goodwill, buy some ridiculous shirts and get some more crazy hats um, because it's a tradition. And I just, you know, I'm a very traditions-oriented person. I think it's fun that way. Get over to the YouTube channel. Otherwise, I will talk to you on Monday. Have a good one. Bye-bye.